Yeah, people like weed, man. I love it. Doug, welcome to Chronic Sense. If you've turned on this podcast, then you're obviously a fan of marijuana. Whether you're a full-fledged pothead or just someone who takes a hit every now and then. But have you ever really thought about what goes into growing your smoke? Or even what it is exactly that you're smoking? Marijuana breeding and production is an industry that is thriving now that marijuana has pockets of legality across the United States. There's no denying the correlation between the relaxing of laws and the quality of product getting better and better. Alex and I grew up with a friend named Jesse. He moved to Colorado when recreational became legal in 2014 and now works for Colorado Seed Incorporated in Boulder, Colorado. Alex visited him recently and took a tour of the facilities. As he tells it, it wasn't what he expected but it changed his outlook on weed forever. So some friends and I end up in Boulder, Colorado to take a tour of Colorado Seed Incorporated. It's a marijuana cultivation company that our friend Jesse recently started working at. My name is Jesse Leach. I'm the chief operating officer at Colorado Seed Incorporated. Like us, Jesse grew up in Kentucky, and I think he knows more about weed than anyone that I've ever met. Find out when uh, specific varieties start synthesizing terpenes in flower. Jesse's always been a very curious kind of guy. He's the kind of person that always had science experiments in his room. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, science experiments. We should harvest at this point to you know you can start getting all those parameters. When Jesse moved to Colorado. He was able to work his way up to grower, and this guy can grow some fire. But to improve his skills, he left the marijuana industry and spent time with a bioscience company. This has allowed him and his team to take Colorado Seed Incorporated in a completely new direction. While we were in town, Jesse was willing to give us a tour of their production facility. It's my friend Alex. He came from Kentucky. I'd visited Jesse once before when he was a grower at a different company. So I had a slight expectation as to what I might see. A lot, a lot has changed. So kind of in a transition period, getting all these set up. This is the first of our lab installations. We got uh, HPLC, so high, high performance liquid chromatography. And this is GCMS, so gas chromatography, chromatography with uh, mass spec on the end. So at this point, if you're like me, you're wondering, what the fuck is all of this? And what the fuck does it have to do with marijuana? What it is, is some serious high-end science equipment. I'd never heard of or seen any of this stuff before. My plan was to go to Jesse's after our tour and record so that I could have him explain everything. Instead, we got way too stoned, which tends to happen when you hang out with him. So I called him up just to make sure that I could get a clear hey, understanding hey, of everything. What's going on, man? Oh, uh, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing all right. 
I'll let him explain. So HPLC stands for High Performance Liquid Chromatography. So HPLC allows us to look at the full spectrum of cannabinoids produced by the flower that we're growing. Cannabinoids are chemicals found in cannabis. THC and CBD are the most commonly known, but there are many others. Um, That helps us look at uh, what we want to select for breeding projects or identify unique compounds that are expressing things like that. Um, It's relatively common uh, in the industry. People are required to have this test done uh, outside. So if they if they wanted to sell a product, they have to know how much THC is in it, that kind of stuff. So we have that um, in our facility just so we can produce better products, dial in our methods, and select for breeding programs. Like Jesse said, in order to sell any of these products, samples must be sent to a third-party company that uses this type of equipment to not only test the potency, but also for bacteria, molds, and pesticides, really anything that can harm the consumer. But the reason that they've incorporated it into their growing operation and breeding program is so that they can use science to grow some fucking chronic. Traditionally, people kind of select plants by how they look, how they smoke, how they you know taste, all of those things. Uh, our goal is to put numbers on that and actually quantify and be able to start comparing things and see how the environment affects those expressions. And uh, it opens up another world of just the research capabilities. Uh, so that's really what we're going for here. This data helps them pick the best plants to select for future breeding, ultimately making better weed. By using the HPLC, they're able to start building that database. In addition to analyzing the flower for potency and other plant compounds, they're also cataloging the terpene profiles of the plants. Terpenes are the compounds that control the taste and smell of the bud. The way that they've got their lab set up, they're using the GCMS to collect that data. One of our team members, he specializes in this stuff, um, but it's gas chromatography and mass spectrometry. Um, So really we're looking at the terpene expressions that we are finding uh, again, as a tool for breeding and to improve our production process. Uh, it's kind of part of this this pipeline that we're creating of testing and development. Um, so we're really able to look at all the specific terpenes very, very closely that each variety is producing. Uh, if you look at one phenotype. Before we go any further, let's define phenotype. The phenotype is the physical representation of the genotype. So depending on what gene sequences are contained within that plant, um, that is what you're going to see. But there's also stuff you can't see uh, within the genotype. So recessive traits, um, susceptibilities to plants and pathogens and pests, things like that. You may remember the Punnett Square from science class. It's the tool that helps predict whether a dominant or recessive trait will be expressed. So if you grow from seed, you're going to get Um, most of the time you're going to have different expressions and different levels of chemicals and all this stuff the plant produces. Our goal is to stabilize that. So we're able to not only select the next uh, best plant that's producing specific terpenes, um, which in turn affects the, the flavor and the smell and all of those things. Everything has terpenes. There's natural products. 
Um, so we're just able to look at the composition of that and what levels are expressing in the plant. Uh, so instead of selecting by human experience, we have a lot of this data to back it up. Um, like that smells like lemons and pine. Well, we can find exactly which, how much of those terpenes are being expressed. Select the plant that produces more of them and continue breed, the breeding process from there. At this point, my head's spinning. I've never seen anything like this. The amount of assistance the HPLC and the GCMS offer them in selecting the right plants to breed, it's insane. But there's still one more piece of equipment that they use that really takes things to the next level. Uh, QPCR is quantitative polymerase chain reaction. You can create, basically create little, they're called primers, and it'll rec replicate that segment and every time that replicates... This machine allows them to look at things on the genetic level. It's the same tool that forensic analysts use to match DNA from a crime scene to the person who committed the crime. But when it comes to plant breeding, it's basically a way to cheat. Um, when you get into qPCR, the front-end functionality for us is sex testing, um, things like that, which adds a lot of value because we can pop a seedling, uh, take a whole bunch of it, tell you if it's male or female in a short amount of time. Um, as opposed to growing a bunch of plants and visually identifying their sex after weeks, probably. Take about three weeks. Um, so it saves a lot of time and it saves a lot of resources so we don't have to pot up these plants. We don't have to water. We can just separate male and female so the males go to uh, a separate platform to get studied. We'll do stress testing uh, things like that, and the females can fill an entire room for their purposes. Um, so we're tracking specific data sets within each within each uh, population and gender. I'll be honest, this makes me want to cry a little bit, because if you've ever, and I'm not saying that I ever have, but if you've ever had something growing in your closet that you shouldn't, and then you come in a few weeks later only to find some nuts on it, it sucks. It really sucks. It feels like you've wasted your time. But the way that they're doing it is pretty amazing. They're saving a ton of time, they're not wasting any resources, and the only plants that they actually push into production give them exactly what they need and add a ton of value to their research. By incorporating the HPLC, GCMS, and QPCR into their workflow, Colorado Seed Incorporated can not only grow better bud, they can also create a high level of consistency in their seed lines, where every time you pop one of their seeds, all the plants grow the same. This type of consistency is completely absent from the market today. It's actually a byproduct of marijuana being illegal for so long and forcing people to breed it underground. Cannabis just happens to have so much stuff mixed up within its genome that, um, you know, you, somebody gets the sour diesel cut or whatever, it's probably completely different than the sour diesel cut in Massachusetts or in Oregon or whatever, wherever that is. Um, a lot of this started on forums, passing information around, and it was because it was illegal. Um, so you have the foreign cut of cookies or, you know, whatever that gets passed around. I, I remember back in the day, be like, oh, so-and-so is going to get you a copy of this. And, you know, I got to grow that strain and it was so dank. 
But once you start making pollinations and the genes are combining and, or, and replicating and recombining, then you start seeing a, a lot of bad traits start being expressed. Uh, so those good traits could eventually become recessive and you won't see those in a cross. And then you have tendency for hermaphrodism or um, susceptibility to disease, things that uh, underground growers couldn't re really look at unless they um, had the research or the education behind that, or maybe a plant breeding black background. Or um, And really that's where the industry was born, was underground breeders finding super dank plants, getting them to the homies, passing around, and that's where we found all the, all this really good weed in Colorado, California. Um, so I think we're at the stage now where we're able to start looking at this on a much bigger scale and sorting out where things came from. And, and that's where our genetics comes in. You know, I've always joked that Jesse is a weed scientist, but if you talk to him, he says that what he's doing is actually nothing new. By bringing weed into the science realm, they're able to do what's already been done to most major crops. If you look at, um, even nowadays, like the just advanced biotech, molecular genetics, all this stuff, it doesn't matter if you use it for wheat or corn or weed. Um, and we're not talking genetic modification. We're just taking, taking a really a much deeper look into the plant and how those genes are passing on. So... Uh, we can make stabilized seed for the customer, essentially. Uh, a lot of that's been done for corn and wheat. You know, they've increased yields and um, kind of standardized that germplasm for strength. And that's how we have all this food available now. Uh, we're just doing the same thing for weed, classifying, finding different interactions of genetics and environments and um, how they're affecting compounds. And it's fun for us because the research hasn't been done yet. Uh, it's a, a lot of it's on its way, and there's been an uh, immense amount of progress. The excitement of possibly finding something new, like a, a unique compound, or, I mean, that, that's what keeps me waking up every day. It's exciting. As if all of this wasn't cool enough, where they want to take this, especially with the PCR capabilities, is absolutely mind-blowing. But the holy grail and the, uh, I guess, full utilization of this uh, qPCR would be just identifying markers. Um, so instead of looking at, I'll reference the same plant, but this plant smells, it's really stinky, it's big, it's beautiful. Um, the idea is to map the genes that produce that trait. So this is pretty much the marijuana genome project. And what Jesse's about to say is where this research can take us. I think the example I gave you was purple a while back. Um, so if you know where purple is, um, where it's located, and you can test for it within that population, then you need a seedling expressing its first set of leaves, and you can figure out which one is purple. Um, so that saves months off your process. You can select for something before it's expressing it. So the Holy Grail is identifying uh, these traits, where they are, and being able to test and screen all these plants really early. Um, so we just have to grow seedlings, and I can tell you that one's purple, high-yielding, resistance to powdery mildew, um, 
anything that we have available as part of our screening platform. Um, and then we can advance that to the next round of breeding. Want a plant that's bright green with orange hairs, that's short and bushy, but it's got super massive nugs so you get a high yield, and it smells and tastes like Fruit Loops? It's a world we could get to, and you might as well get the one that's molded and pest resistant while you're at it. Or how about a plant that's super high in THC and it's got like all those 90 day sativa characteristics, but it grows in 55 and it's also balanced with all these other compounds so that you don't claw your eyes out. Height, shape, color, taste, smell, stock strength, disease resistance, cannabinoid profile, potency. For every single marker, compound, and data point that they collect about growing marijuana, it only increases the possibility of a controlled outcome. And thanks to their scientific approach, the possibilities are endless. So we basically got sidetracked looking at all the scientific equipment and talking about their unique process, but we did eventually see the plants. Fireweed, man. Whew. Smells like somebody's uncle's van, that's what I always say. <laughs> like, damn, dude, Uncle Rick. So this is a Nepalese gum right here. Old school, smell that, smells like bubble gum. Oh, these ones here, smells great. We have this one that smells like grapes, um, grape Sprite almost. For as long as I've been a pothead, I've never thought about the genetic markers of the weed that I'm smoking, or what phenotypes the plant expressed. The same could be said for the terpenes or the cannabinoid profiles. I just like getting high. So those are specific compounds we're looking at. You know, we smell, you know, that's a profile of, of terpenes it's producing. And then you look at all the different structural traits. This has more of a OG style right here. Right. Lankier, smaller bud development, just but a lot of flowering sites, right? Interesting. So that might be a good trait to combine with something else to support it, uh, create bigger buds, that kind of deal. But after learning about the research that's going on here, it completely changes your perspective forever. Another one. That smells really good too. Same, so this is a different phenotype of the same seed lot. You can tell it's very similar to, not this one, but this one and this one are sisters. So you can see some similar traits, but it's a completely different plant, right? So that's the phenotype variation you'll see. Um, again, our goal is to, you know, you plant a hundred of our seeds or a thousand, you get the same plant. Yep, and that's, it takes a long time to do that. But. but this is only the beginning. We'll be hearing from Jesse a lot more on this podcast about other parts of their operation, as well as new research as it develops. They've got a lot underway, but they've also got the right people for it. I couldn't ask for a better team and a better group of people. Because um, we honestly, um, it's more about growing plants and research. You know, it's about creating a something long-lasting. Uh, and these guys have just crushed it. They, they're they're teaching me stuff every day, and uh, we learn from each other. It's been it's been a pleasure working with them. So, if any of our listeners have questions for Jesse or his team, send them our way, and we'll make sure to pass them along. You can contact us at chroniccensepodcast at gmail as well as Facebook and Instagram at Chronic Sense. And if you want to try some of their bud that they grow, which I highly recommend, you can find it at Helping Hands Dispensary in Boulder, as well as several other locations throughout Colorado.
The research that companies like Colorado Seed Incorporated are doing with marijuana are taking us into a new frontier. Technologies like HPLC, GCMS, and QPCR allow us to catalog every aspect about our favorite plant and breed for the qualities we love, ultimately producing something that we somehow enjoy even more. This episode of Chronic Sense was hosted by Doug and Alex. It was written and produced by Alex and Ash Media and Marketing, LLC. Explosive is by Dr. Dre. That's not ours. But original music was scored and composed by Sear Music, and you can find more information at matthewderobertus.com. Chronic Sense would also like to thank Nathan and Jesse for going on the trip, and Jesse and Colorado Seed, Inc. for having us. And this episode is dedicated to my dog, Dizzy.